Hello again and welcome to H2O Church and all of you from everywhere, wherever you're listening. We're so glad to have you join together today, even though we can't be together physically. uh, We hope that this brings a little bit of connection into your life. What a crazy time that we are in. I just feel for all the extroverts that are out there that love the affection. It's okay. We're going to get through this and it will be over. For all those introverts that don't like being touched, you know, enjoy. Uh, What a great time uh, for you. I know that as Brian uh, said at the beginning, your experiences are probably all so very different during this time, and we kind of understand that spectrum of what everybody's going through. I know for our family, we've had some really great uh, family connection time, and we've really appreciated that. Hopefully, that has been the situation for you. Wherever you're at, you're able to uh, connect some way with some people in your life. You know, even before this all started, uh, Mary Lynn and I had this Thursday night family night with our kids where we would gather them together and we would have a great meal together and then we'd go in the other room and play some games, maybe some Uno, maybe some charades. And I know that we've really loved that time and now we've gotten to do that even more uh, during this time. And so just to sit there with Mary Lynn and Dominic and Bella and Max and just have a meal together and talk deeply, ask each other uh, more questions probably than we've ever asked each other, and to play some games together has been really meaningful and special to us. And you know, just thinking about that family dynamic and that time together, we really do hope that this is a, a great time for you, a precious time to be able to get connected to the people that you love. Uh, a pastor once said, the most prestigious universities And the greatest seminaries of the world are not as important as the learning around the dinner table. Isn't that so true? Being there with our family and those conversations that we can have are are more important than any any learning in the whole world. And so we hope that you're enjoying that. And you know, that's a really timely thing, even though we can't be physically together. Talking about these small groups getting together and having meals today fits in beautifully with the series that we're doing called The Table. And today, we're going to be talking about the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples during this Lenten season and leading up to Easter. We're beginning this series, which we'd already had planned, called The Table, and I'm going to be talking about the Last Supper today. Next week, Pastor Matthew McClure is going to be talking about Palm Sunday. And then the week after that, Pastor Wiles will be talking about the Easter celebration. So we pray and hope that during this time, you're still encountering God. We don't need to be together geographically to be experiencing God. He loves you, and this is a really important time in the Christian calendar. And so we want to uh, encourage you to be reading God's Word and enjoying this Easter season. So I'm excited about diving into this talk today about the Last Supper. And maybe you can see this. I know maybe it's not showing up so great in the TV, but I placed some items here, just a few of them, that were representative of the Passover feast that Jesus was gathering his disciples with uh, for that occasion. We're going to be in John chapter 13 and and skipping around to some other uh, chapters in the Bible. This Last Supper story is in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to start off in John chapter 13. But in this chapter, we hear that Jesus is telling the disciples, hey, gather up what we need because we're going to celebrate the Passover feast. Now, we can't even tell you how important this Passover meal and this ceremony was to the Jewish people. 
The Jewish people have been celebrating this Passover feast for over 3,000 years, even to this day. Well before Jesus, they would celebrate the times that Moses led the people out of Egypt and God provided for them. When the, when the angel of death was passing over their people, they were spared. They were rescued. And then when they fled Egypt, they got to pass over uh, the, the Red Sea, and they were spared, uh, and God provided for them. And they would gather together every year to celebrate this really important meal. They would have some things like this. They would have a basin or a bowl of water where they would dip their hands in and clean their hands uh, they would cleanse their hands before this as just a ceremony, just a reminder that they were coming to God uh, as unclean people. They would have some unleavened bread, which they called matzah. They had to leave Egypt so quickly, they didn't have time for the bread to rise, and so they would remember that. They would have some lamb meat to remember the lamb, the, the blood of the lamb that they put around the doorposts to symbolize God passing over them and sparing their lives they would have some bitter herbs to remember the bitterness of slavery in Egypt. And they would also have some wine to just celebrate and to remember their freedom. That was a symbol of their freedom. So Jesus is, they're gathering together with all these things and some other things. And they would go over this Seder meal. And that's, that word Seder just simply means order. An order that they would go through of these ceremonies and of singing songs, and he would gather them together. So this was a really important um, uh, gathering with Jesus because he said to them, I have been so looking forward to gathering together with you to celebrate this meal. Now he knew that this was going to be his last meal with them. The Passover was already a celebratory time to come together, kind of like when we celebrate Easter and Christmas and we'd have a meal and we have family come together and people are excited and the Passover had that feeling. So Jesus is looking forward to being with them, but he also knew there was some really important things he was going to institute in this last supper. And so I just want to highlight three things from it. There was a lot that happened, and I encourage you to read through these stories in each of the Gospels. But we're just going to do three takeaways from the Last Supper, their Passover meal, and just to give you some applications of how this really does still apply to our lives. So in John chapter 13, Jesus did something very interesting. They're all gathered at the table. There's some singing, there's some celebration, they're just happy to be together. And before they dive into the Passover meal, Jesus does something very amazing and astounding to the disciples. He pushes himself away from the table, he gets a water basin and a towel, he kneels down to each disciple, and he begins to wash their feet. Now, in this day and age, that's a very strange thing to do. We don't really wash each other's feet uh, or, or have much meaning to that. But back in that time, you probably can imagine, most of their roads were not paved. They were very dirty. They wore sandals. Some people walked around barefoot. So when they would come in for a meal together, they would often have a servant, probably the lowest-tiered servant, go around and wash everyone's feet. But Jesus did this. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, there to sacrifice himself for the sins of the people. He said, I want to show you something. 
And it's really interesting in here in, in John chapter 13 that it tells us that even the knowledge that Judas was there and he washed Judas's feet, the knowledge that Judas was going to betray him was prevalent. And he was getting ready to reveal who that was to the people. And so Jesus kneels down and he goes around and washes each person's feet. What an amazing, humble hero that we have in Jesus. You know, when you think about our lives and how hard it is sometimes for us to serve, maybe you can imagine some situations because in that time, that was probably one of the hardest ways to serve somebody. That was a pretty dirty job to uh, wash someone's feet. Imagine in our time what that might mean. Maybe uh, you've been asked uh, to help someone move. You know, uh, for some of us, like, wow, I, I'd, I'd like to do just about anything but help someone move. If you own a pickup truck, maybe you've gotten rid of that pickup truck because so many people said, hey, will you help me move? You know, back in uh, a while back, we used to go into the dorms and we would take out trash for people or we would vacuum their rooms just to love and to serve them. You can imagine all the different ways that we're asked to serve or that we can serve, and some of them are pretty humbling. If someone said, hey, uh, I need some help, and you say, yeah, what can I do to serve you? And you said, could you come over and clean my bathroom for me? I really need help cleaning my bathroom. You can imagine just that, that uncomfortable feeling that any of us would feel. And here Jesus is just diving in, serving them, and loving them, showing how humble he was. That's why one of the reasons we love him, that's why we want to serve him, is he was a humble servant. In John 13, uh, verses 14 and 15, we might ask, well, why did Jesus do this? And he said this to them, I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so you also should wash one another's feet. I have given you an example. You should do as I have done for you. Jesus is saying to them, I'm the Lord. I'm your teacher. I'm your rabbi that you look up to. But just as I've served you, I want you from this day forward to really have a servant heart to love the people around you and to do humble servant things to love the people around you. I just wonder how in our households right now and in our places, wherever we're listening uh, right now, how can we go beyond what's even expected to really love the people around us and serve them. You know, think about that and pray about that. During this time, maybe this is a really special time. Maybe this is an opportunity, and you just seeing this example from Jesus, you think, man, I want to go to great lengths to serve the people around me, to love them, and to really help them. There are many people in need, and many people feel so blessed and loved by your service, and we strongly encourage you to do that, and to follow Jesus' example. We'll move on to the second thing that Jesus shares. They're, they're having this meal together, and again, there's probably some celebration and some encouragement. And you can imagine if you've ever gathered around the table for a celebration, sometimes people come with really good news. Sometimes people come with hard news to hear. And that's just how families are. That's how community is. When we really dive into deep community and we're sharing things, we know that there's highs and lows in all of our relationships. And sometimes those messages are given or sometimes those announcements are made when we're gathered together at the table. And this second one is no different. 
during the Last Supper, celebrating the Passover feast, the second point is this. Jesus willingly goes to die for the people. Jesus tells his disciples, like he had told them uh, in other situations in the Gospels, he reminds them of his purpose. He says, I am going to Jerusalem, and I am willingly going to die for you and for the sins of the people. Now, imagine sitting there during that time and just hearing that again. He's like, why does Jesus keep talking about dying? This is really not what we want to hear right now. Even before we, we heard that Peter gave him pushback, he pulled him aside and corrected him. Jesus, stop talking about this. We have great plans here on this earth that you could lead us into. And they had their hopes. They had their expectations of what Jesus was going to do for them. But Jesus had a better plan. Jesus had a bigger plan, the most important plan that they just couldn't wrap their minds around at times. And as earlier, he references back to, to Mark 8. We're going to read Mark 8, verses 31 and 32. Prior to this Last Supper, he told them plainly what his purpose was. And here it is. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man, Jesus, must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter did not like this plan, but Jesus said it as plainly as could be. He said, I am going, and I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to rise again. They probably had such a hard time understanding that until after the resurrection, and they just couldn't believe what they were seeing and hearing. But he spoke very clearly to them about this. So now back at the uh, Last Supper in Mark chapter 14, they're at the Passover table there, and in verses 27 and 28, Jesus reminds them of this again. What does he say? He says, you, disciples will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, that's Jesus, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Wow, what a somber message at this, this table. Like, Jesus, you're talking about dying. Now you're saying, after all we've sacrificed for you, we're going to be scattered? We're going to turn away from you? Jesus, this is really hard to hear. But he wanted them to know, you're going to fall away. When those soldiers come to arrest me, it's going to be a really scary time for you, and you're going to be scattered. But I want you to know, even though you're scattered and you're afraid, you can have hope. Because I'm overcoming all of this. And I am more powerful than anything that can scatter you. And when I rise again, you're going to see me. We're going to be gathered back together. And this whole section right here is just an amazing reminder of the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. That even though we've spiritually been scattered, even though we've ran away from God, he told them, you're going to fall away. The Bible tells us we've all fallen away. I look at my own past and the, the things I've done and 
a lot of the selfish decisions that I've made and, and the rebellious times of my life where I knew what was the right thing to do and I just willingly went away from God. It's no different than many of the, the people of the Bible. Maybe that's your story too. Maybe that's, uh, you can relate to the disciples here that when the soldiers came, they just ran. And Peter said, Jesus, I will never deny I know you. And Jesus said, yeah, you will. Before the cock crows in the morning, you will deny me three times. And, and Jesus uh, prophesied that correctly. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe when you've been pressed in, you've been scattered and you've fallen away and you've done things that you wish you didn't do. If that really resonates in your heart, this whole Passover meal and this whole Last Supper and this whole Easter season is a reminder to us there's still hope. You can still come back. You can still be in a relationship with Jesus because he's waiting there with open arms and he wants you to be a part of his family. You know, as we talk about this Passover table and we talk about our own kitchen tables gathering together and we, we think about just being in community, it's a hard time right now. We look forward to that. We look forward to being in community together, don't we? I know I do. I know that when this is over, I'm just going to celebrate. I'm going to be so excited and so happy to see many of you and to just be together and just to know that we can all be back together again and hug and be in close relationship. That's going to be an awesome day. But you know what's going to be even more celebratory than that? In Revelation 19, it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. This banquet that's going to be in heaven. This feast, this table. Just imagine the greatest feast that you can imagine. When I was just thinking about this teaching and I was thinking about a wedding feast and how fun they are to just be together and celebrate, I was thinking about my friend Andy's wedding many years ago. I was in my early 20s and we went to the nicest wedding I've probably been to. And as a young person, you can imagine you're eating ramen and mac and cheese, as, as uh, Danny mentioned, and, and uh, all the inexpensive foods. And I remember going to this wedding, and it was just so classy. It was so fancy. The wedding was beautiful. Everything that happened in it was beautiful. We went to this beautiful reception hall, and the thing that really stuck out to me as a young, hungry person was that this banquet hall had food in all four corners of this room. In the middle was this dance, uh, this dance floor that everybody would come and dance. But at any time during this reception, you could go over to this corner and have pasta and Italian food. And over in this one was different kinds of meats and, and chicken and just amazing gourmet things. And then over in this one was vegetables and salad. And then over in the other corner was the dessert corner. And it was just packed with food. And I remember that whole reception. It's like, I could live here. I don't want to leave this place. This is pretty cool that I got invited to such a nice wedding. You know, that's just a glimpse of what's going to happen in heaven. There's going to be a banquet. There's going to be a celebration. There's going to be a feast. And in Revelation 19, it says this, Blessed are those who are invited to this meal. Blessed are those who are invited to this meal. 
You know, if you're hearing this right now, I hope you know you're invited. Regardless of what you've done in your life, all of the Bible, all of the gospel, all of this story is pointing, pointing to this redemption that God wants you to have with him. He's handing out that invitation to this banquet table for you to have a seat at that table with him. And what you and I need to do is respond. We either take that invitation and said, yes, Jesus, I believe what you did for me. I want you to come into my life. I want you to forgive me of the things that I've done so that I can know for sure that I'm going to be with you at that banquet. You know, this, this difficult season is going to be over and we're going to get back together and we're going to celebrate. But don't lose the opportunity to remember this. There's a bigger celebration coming at the end of our lives. You're invited to it. Take that invitation. Ask Jesus into your heart. You know, this last point that Jesus shares with them at the Last Supper, the, the third thing, is that because he knew we would forget, because he knows that we're, we're people with just difficult memories at times and, and we're easy to forget, he institutes communion so that we would remember. Jesus institutes this communion where he takes the unleavened bread that was at the table and he, he has the wine. And these things from the Passover meal, he says, I'm going to institute something because I want you to remember. We are such forgetful people, aren't we? And it's hard for us to remember. When difficulties come, when trials come, we're forgetful people. I heard a really uh, funny joke recently about remembering that I thought I would share with you, even though I won't get to hear your laughter this morning. Uh, I heard this funny joke about this older couple that was just really losing their memory. And they went out for this fantastic meal the night before. And the man came to this other couple, and he said, Oh, man, we went to the best restaurant last night I've ever been to. It was amazing. The food was delicious. The service was so good. And it was really inexpensive. I mean, this is just like literally the best restaurant I've ever been to. And the other guy says, What was the name of the restaurant where you went? I, I want to go. And he's like, Ah, oh, shoot. Um, um. What, what's, that, what's that long, you know, flower thing? And he's like, what, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, the long flower, it's got beautiful petals. It's got some thorns on it. And the other guy says, a rose? He says, yeah, rose, rose. What was the place that we went to last night to eat? I cannot hear your laughter, but I feel it. I feel the laughter. We are forgetful people. Our memories are going. And you know, God knows that. God knows that when trials come and distraction comes, we forget. And this important gospel message of what it's all about, why we're here, why Jesus came, why he died and why he rose again is the most important thing for us to remember. So Jesus institutes this communion that we can remember. And maybe for some of you, you've even prepared this morning. You have some bread there. And, and some juice or some wine, and you're going to celebrate communion with us. If you don't, that's okay. You can do that. I encourage you to do that later on in the week. But here's what Jesus did at the Last Supper in Matthew 26. I'll read to you from verses 26 through 28. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. 
And when they had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so when we take this this bread that represents Jesus' body that was broken for you and I, we dip it in the, the juice and the wine that represents his blood. We take that in and we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you did for me. And this symbolic act of taking the bread and the wine into us is symbolic of us receiving Jesus into our lives. We hope that you do that. We hope that you experience communion today and you just remember how much he loves you, how he's waiting there with open arms. He wants to be in a relationship with you. So as we take the bread and the juice, we celebrate. We celebrate what Jesus did for us and we remember what he did for us. So as I close, I just want to throw this out. I hope that this week you gather around the table I hope that you read this Last Supper story together. I put the verses down there on the screen. Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, and John 13. And I just hope that you remember him in communion and know that this trial will be over and we will gather together again, and it will be wonderful. But the most important thing is when he gathers us together, he's given out those invitations for that banquet feast in heaven We want you to be there. We want you to be there. Receive that invitation. And we just hope and pray that that's what God has put in your heart and that you would act on that. Let me pray for all of us and we'll worship some more. Lord, we are so grateful that you came as that sacrificial lamb that your body was broken and your blood was shed so that we could be in a relationship with you. And God, we pray that your example of a, a servant, a humble servant that came to serve us, that the, the example that you set would just fill our hearts with a motivation and a passion to love you and to love people around us. God, I just want to thank you so much for that invitation that you give all of us to the, to the greatest feast that will ever be. Lord, I thank you that accepting that into my life has changed everything for me and changed the trajectory of my life. And Lord, I pray that for every person that's done that, that says, Jesus, come into my life, that you would change them, that you would change that trajectory that you would build intimacy between you and them, Lord. We worship you and we thank you. Lord, I pray that, that many people right now are just remembering what you did and we're responding, Lord, responding in our hearts. Even though we can't respond together, Lord, we can still respond where we are in our hearts today. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.